is so good to be with all of you who are with us on our online service and all of us who are here. Listen, I don't care what city you're in, what country you're in. Uh, we're just thankful that you're staying connected with Compassion Christians through this online service. But can I just say how good it is to be a part of our first volunteer service on all of our campuses. Man, let's hear it from everybody who's glad to be in the house of the Lord. Come on, y'all. Let's make some noise. Man, 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 if you're online with us, uh, you probably noticed we have a bunch of volunteers here. Where's my camera guy? Come on up here, bro. Come on, son. All right. Uh, we got a camera guy. I just want everybody online to see we are regathering, right? Come here, son. Uh, I, got my, I don't have my mask on, so stay away from me. But anyway, just look at, y'all look at these folks out here. These are human beings. This is awesome. I haven't seen it. Y'all wait. <laughs> yeah, look at them. They're alive. Those are not That's mannequins, y'all. I haven't seen that in a long time, and thank God, thank God. Listen, we're going to regather our church on September 23rd and 27th. Now, just look at all these beautiful people. If you're online, we've got all these awesome folks. Let me tell you some cool things that's happening with these folks right now. First of all, we have been worshiping tonight together, and it is a beautiful sight. I am telling you, it is, it's just so different to have the body of Christ worshiping together. Amen? amen. Did y'all hear that? That amen? Did you hear that? That only happens in person, y'all. I'm telling you, it's beautiful. All right. Notice also they're all wearing masks. Uh, everybody here has got, we've got a big prison ministry and all these burglars have been led to Christ and they're all here in their mask tonight. Now you've got to be pretty old to actually figure that one out. But you know, the governor of our state and the mayor of our city has asked us to wear a mask as an effort to protect other people from what we might accidentally spray on them when we're talking and singing in that. And so as we regather, man, we're asking every compassion Christian to wear a mask out of consideration for other folks. Now, you know, Philippians chapter 2 tells us to have the same attitude as Jesus, who, although he was God, humbled himself for the sake of other people. And let me tell you, that's the attitude that we're looking for as church, our church family regathers. Now, I know there's conflicting information about how much a mask helps. But listen, uh, when we're together, we're going to ask everybody to wear a mask out of consideration for other people. I heard one doctor say, these masks don't work. It's just like throwing sand through a chain link fence. Well, if somebody's going to throw sand at me, I hope it goes through a chain link fence before it hits me. Can I hear amen? I mean, keep a little bit of it off anyway, right? But whatever it is, out of consideration for others, we're going to ask everybody to wear a mask. And that's not a big ask for a follower of Jesus. Put others before yourself, right? Uh, notice also that we're physically distancing. Uh, we have closed every other row in our worship centers where we have fixed seating. And we've just rearranged the chairs everywhere else. We're going to ask everybody to try to keep two seats between you and the next group. All right, whatever group you came with, awesome. But if you can keep two seats between you and the next group, one for your Bible, one for the Holy Spirit, we'll be good to go. All right. And that will just keep us spread out a little bit. Plus, it'll let us sprawl a little bit and stretch out, which will be fun until we can pack this worship center again. Now, you can't see it, but uh, everybody that's in this uh, worship service right now had one of these, a little communion cup. Uh, you know, we are going to take the Lord's Supper every time we get together, just like the New Testament church, but we cannot safely pass the communion and keep things sanitary. Uh, so we're going to ask everybody who comes to worship with us in a couple weeks, grab one of these communion cups on the way in. Uh, it'll be a little bit different, but just grab it off the table. But, you know, it's an easy adjustment to make. Now, look at this, look at this lady right here, how sad she looks, y'all. Take a look at this. Next picture. Come on. Uh, look at how sad she looks. Isn't that pitiful? Because she can't bring her coffee inside. And there's no coffee being served and there's no food being served in our building right now because you have to take your mask off to eat or drink. And so you know what? At least for these next couple months and for a little bit, we're going to ask everybody to either drink your coffee quick before you get in here 
or drink it after you get out, and we're just not going to bring drinks and food into the church for, for a little while. Now, here's the hardest part for me. Air hugs only. Okay, air hugs only. We're asking everybody to resist the urge to shake hands and hug and high-five everybody just for a little while. This is going to be really tough on me because I'm telling you, hugging is my spiritual gift. You saw our security guy put the cuffs on me there today because I tried to hug him. He put me in the lockup, but we went with the elbow bump. Listen, if you just can't restrain yourself, do the elbow bump, give somebody a fist bump. But you know what? We're just going to try to put the health of other people above ourselves at first. Amen? Now, even with all of that, I'm telling you, it is so good to enjoy some fellowship at all of our campuses today. And friends, the reason it's so good is that fellowship is one of the foundational functions of the New Testament church. Listen, man, fellowship is one, also one of the main reasons why the church grew so fast and went so far in, in just the first hundred years of church history. Now, we've been unpacking Acts chapter 2 so if you've got your Bible, open it to Acts chapter 2. That's where we're going to dig in here again today. And we're going to study these foundational functions of the New Testament church. And we're going to start reading in verse 41. So take a look at your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, I'll throw it up on the screen here. Those who believed what, G what Peter said were baptized and were added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. Now, friends, take a look at this passage because the church literally exploded onto the scene because there was something powerful and moving about the story of Jesus, Right? But let me tell you, that's not all. There was also something inviting and magnetic about the fellowship of the church. Man, think about this. Three years before this passage was written, the church of Jesus Christ existed in only one mind on this planet. And that was in the mind of Jesus himself. And then he chose 12 men that he could divide, di disciple and develop so that they could then proclaim forgiveness of sins and eternal life in Christ to the whole world. And man, they preached that message for three years and they preached to many, many thousands of folks. And over that three years, they gathered about 120 people as their core believers. And they were meeting in an upper room in Acts chapter one when the Holy Spirit came in power. And friends, the very next day, Peter, one of those 12 apostles, delivered a message about the saving work of Jesus on the cross. And it was recorded right here in Acts chapter two. And when he finished that message, 3,000 people put their faith in Jesus and they became followers of Christ and were baptized into Christ. Now, here's the question I want you to think about with me today. What do you do when you go from 120 believers who can meet in one restaurant, you know, to 3,120 believers, and there is no such thing as a church building. You know what the answer is? Fellowship. Fellowship. I'm telling you, the day after the day of Pentecost, when those people committed themselves to Jesus because of the apostles' teaching, they felt like they were part of the family because of the fellowship and community of the church. I mean, consequently, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. And then, man, a deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many wondrous signs and miracles. And all the believers met together in one place. They shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with people who were in need. Man, they worshiped together in the temple each day. They met in their homes for the Lord's Supper. They shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord was adding to their fellowship those who were being saved. Friends, the church literally exploded onto the scene because there was something powerful and moving about the story of Jesus. 
But there was also something inviting and magnetic about the fellowship of the church that Jesus came to build. And friends, you think about it. If there was no fellowship, dude, there's nowhere to hang out. There's nobody to ask questions. There's no place to grow strong in your faith. And those New Testament Christ followers became part of the community of Christ followers in part because of the power of fellowship. And friends, it says in verse 47, that was happening every single day. People literally were giving their lives to Jesus every day as part of this fellowship of followers of Christ. And I'm telling you, Acts 2 launched a revolution. Now, historian uh, Rodney Stark says that by the end of the first century, even under extreme persecution by the Jews and the Romans, the church grew to over 100,000 people in Jerusalem, 100,000 believers who were literally meeting in little discipleship groups all over the city and gathering at the Jewish temple for worship. I mean, in 70 years, the church grew from one to 100,000, even under extreme persecution by both the Jews and the Romans. And then historians go on to say that three centuries later, by the year 350 AD, while they still had no church buildings, after 10 waves of Roman persecution against the church, what began as a group of 12, and then 120, and then 3,120, and then 100,000, grew in 300 years to 33,800,000 plus followers of Jesus Historians literally say that 56% of the Western world have become followers of Jesus in 300 years. How in the world did that happen? Well, friends, the blueprint is right in front of you. Look at verse 42. The believers were devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and sharing meals and the Lord's Supper and to prayer. And friends, what God did then, we believe he can do again. I mean, even in a pandemic, you know, when you can't come to church buildings, We've been baptizing people into Christ almost every week. And I mean, churches have been growing in viral, world-changing ways even through this time of lockdown. But like we said last week, there are some critical functions of the church that you cannot enjoy in an optimal way online only. And I think most of us have been feeling that pretty strongly for the last six months. Friends, Christ followers grow strong when they hear the apostles' teaching in the fellowship of other believers. And man, I want to talk with you today about your spiritual growth. And I want to talk about, with you about how that's going to happen. Now, we talked last week about how foundational the Word of God is to your spiritual growth. 100% cannot deny that. But today, I hope you'll see that early believers devoted themselves to fellowship because that's where life change happens best. And friends, that's why our mission statement says that Compassion Christian exists to lead people to a life-changing relationship with Christ. Now, I'm telling you, the focus on this is the life-changing relationship, a relationship with Jesus that changes you, uh, where you actually get to know Christ in a, in a way that changes everything. I'm not talking about knowing Jesus like you know about George Washington or Abraham Lincoln or Alexander Hamilton. We're talking about knowing Jesus in a relational way that changes your life and your priorities and your worldview. And friends, I'm telling you, that happens best in community. It happens better in circles than it happens in rows. It happens in fellowship. Now let's just talk for a minute about what life change looks like when you start growing as a follower of Jesus. And I'm going to do this by graphing out five different levels of devotion that we see demonstrated here in Acts chapter 2 and honestly that we see in our church. And we will see 
the minute we regather for public services. Now, I've done this many times uh, before because I think it helps you figure out where you are in your devotion to Jesus. Now, there are five concentric circles here that, de that describe five different levels of devotion to Christ. And friends, everybody here in me today is going to be up on this graph somewhere. The outside ring represents the city. Uh, these are spiritually disconnected folks. Man, this is where you find your one. Th this is where you locate that one person that you're praying God is going to use you to bring to full devotion to him. I mean, the city, dude, that's our target. Listen, without apology, we are trying to make Savannah and Rankin and Statesboro and Richmond Hill and Midway and everywhere our online services reach the hardest places on earth to go to hell from. Can I get an amen? It's the truth. Listen, I've been praying since the day I got here that God would help us reach 2% of the population of the Savannah metro area every week. And do you know what? We passed that target years ago. Friends, by God's grace, pre-COVID, one out of every 38 people that live within an hour of Savannah are on one of our campuses every week. Anybody want to say praise the Lord? Praise the Lord, man. That's 3% of Savannah's MSA. But what if we could reach 10%? Think of the spiritual revolution that would occur in our region if one out of every 10 people who live within an hour of our church were fully devoted followers of Christ, locked in to fellowship at Compassion Christian. Friends, if we could hold that impact for two generations, you know, one out of every 10 students in school, one out of every 10 teachers and leaders and salesmen and soldiers, dude, that would affect the divorce rate in our area. That would affect the crime rate and the domestic abuse rate and the fatherlessness and the addiction. Man, it would basically elevate the integrity and the humanity of this whole region. And I'm telling you, that is not out of reach. All we have to do is double the impact of our ministry two more times. And that's what I'm praying for. Now, friends, that's why we ask every Compassion Christian and everybody watching online to pick a one. Pick that one person that you're praying God will use you to lead to Christ because they don't know the Lord yet. Man, they are not devoted to Jesus. I'm telling you, if they laid that motorcycle down on Abercorn today, they would not bust heaven wide open. They'd be in hell tomorrow. And that's real. Consequently, we are compelled to reach out to them because that's my dad. That's my daughter. That's my coworker. That's my neighbor. God, please use me to bring them into the fellowship of the church so that we can work together to lead them to a life-changing relationship with Jesus. And friends, I'm telling you, if every compassion Christian right now were to lead three new people to put their faith in Christ over the next five years, our fellowship would include over 10% of our metro area. And man, I'm just praying that you are thinking right now of one or two or three people that are in your life that you can invite to join us when our church regathers in September 23rd and 27th. And let me tell you, if you have a one, if you're watching online, put your one on the chat right now. Hey, pray with me for Susie. Pray with me for Jack. We'll pray with you. You invite them to come and watch the service with you and we'll pray for you. Because I'm telling you, when you bring that one and they come one time, they move to the next ring on this graphic and they become a part of the crowd. Now, the crowd is made up of people who attend church occasionally. Uh, you ask them, when, where, do you, where do you go to church? Compassion. How often do you go? Well, I was there last Christmas. I was there the Easter before that. Uh, you know, they may come once a month, twice a month, something like that. I heard somebody say that they were in our parking lot waiting to get out of the parking lot. They were in their car and somebody pulled in front of them and flipped them off. 
And I'm like, what? They said, well, I just don't think that's very Christian. I said, I don't either. That wasn't a Christian. That was somebody from the crowd, all right? And let me tell you, we have people from the crowd here all the time, right? And they do stuff like that all the time because they're not a follower of Jesus yet. Now, they're showing some interest in spiritual things because of the fellowship they have with you. And man, that's awesome. And hopefully they'll love our church. And if somebody asks them, man, where they go to church, they'll say compassion, even though they don't have any real devotion to Jesus yet. But friends, there are going to be people in the crowd, in our worship centers, every time we get together every week. And thank God, because that represents just a small spiritual step toward life and maturity. And let me tell you, it's because of the magnetic fellowship, the magnetic pull of the fellowship of our church. Now, as Christ began to work in their lives and their interest begins to grow and worship becomes a, a more consistent part of their weekly rhythm, they move to the next level and they become part of the congregation. Now, this is when changes start really happening. They're not just attending anymore. Man, they start to tell, they start to love Jesus. And of course, when they do, they start to talk about him. They start to tell other people about the church. And then they start looking for opportunities to serve in the name of the church and in the name of Christ. And they just start serving out in the community and then they begin to give money and they support the mission of the church because they see all the good we're doing man they know it takes sacrifice to you know deliver 40,000 bags of groceries like we've done in the last hundred days and man they want to be a part of that maybe they'll go with you to your discipleship group and start making friends and start asking questions they might not even be Christians yet but good things are happening because they are enjoying the fellowship of Christ followers and that launches them to the next level and the next level, come on, just leave this up. Just leave this up for me. The next level is the committed, all right? And these are people who are fully devoted to following Jesus. Man, they've been to growth track. You know, they understand what Jesus is asking for. They get it, man. They ask Jesus to be the leader and forgiver of their lives. And then they're baptized into Christ and they join the church. And dude, they're devoted. They're devoted to worship. They, they tied their income. They, they join a rooted group. Man, they get on a serve team. And, you know, Jesus is now the leader of their lives. And, dude, that changes everything. And the longer they follow Jesus, depending on their gifts and their abilities, they move from, you know, being the committed to the core of what's, <laughs> to the core of what's happening at our church. And let me tell you, man, this is where we begin to disciple and develop leaders. And let me tell you, committed, compassionate volunteers take on leadership responsibility all over our ministry. They've developed their strengths. And they start using them in a way that leads other people to strength. Now, friends, when they step up and they go all the way here to the core, let me tell you what happens next. They go all the way back out here to the city and they start bringing people with them. And they go from the city to the crowd, to the congregation, to the, and they just keep doing this the rest of their lives. They get here and they just roll back out and start bringing people with them everywhere they go. They understand that the goal is to be a disciple who makes disciples. And I'm telling you, these committed and core women and men do what Jesus did. They disciple and develop, and that's what ministry is all about. Now, you should be able to look at that graphic and plot exactly where you were one year ago. And you should be able to look at that graphic and figure out exactly where you are right now. Now, friends, any movement that you make toward the core represents spiritual growth. And you got to know that we are praying that every compassionate Christian will become a disciple who makes disciples. And it only takes a step. You only got to take is one step to get that started. Now, wherever you are on this graphic right now, if you take one step toward the core, friends, you will be growing spiritually. And listen, you never age out of this. 
This is your mission for the rest of your life, moving from one ring to the next to the next and then helping other people do the same thing. But friends, here's another way we like to think about it. We like to call it be and become and do. Everybody say that with me. Y'all ready? Big voice, come on. Be, become, and do. Now, friends, your spiritual life, when you decide, starts when you decide, I want to be with Jesus. I want to be on his team. I want to be in his family. I want to be saved. I want to be a part of what Christ is doing in our world. And then when you make that decision, you become like Jesus. Did you start to think like him and talk like him and act like him and love like him? And then, of course, that drives you to do what Jesus did. Man, he loved and he served and he lived a life that brought glory to God. Now, friends, you could start that adventure right now, just like this lady Linda did out at our East Campus last week. Man, Linda attended one of the watch parties at our East Campus. She heard us preaching the gospel. And you know what? She decided to be with Jesus. She decided to put her faith in him. And then she decided to become like Jesus, man, obedient to whatever he wants. So her next step was to humble herself and be baptized into Christ. And let me tell you, that first act of obedience is going to be followed by many, many more in her life. And friends, today she is brand new, member of the family of God, looking forward to doing what Jesus did. Let's thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. But let me tell you where that started. That started in the fellowship of the church. Now, let's go back to Acts 2.42 and let's drill down one more time. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. Now, friends, the word fellowship comes from the Greek word koinonia, which refers to a relational connection and a sharing of life with other folks. Now, the reason God pushes us toward fellowship is he knows that spiritual growth happens best in community. I'm telling you, there are very few spiritual lone rangers who are actually growing So let's talk about what fellowship looks like as we continue to grow spiritually. For a new believer, fellowship means membership, choosing to belong. Now, if you look back at Acts chapter 2, verse 42, circle the word devoted. Do they devoted themselves to the word and they devoted themselves to the fellowship. Friends, fellowship wasn't a take it or leave it kind of thing in the New Testament church. It wasn't, well, I go to church when I want to. I'm a part of the church if I feel like it. I'd go to a discipleship group if I can find one that, you know, I like and everybody likes me and blah, blah, blah. No. They were devoted to this. Listen, Jesus lived in this kind of connection. He had a small group of 12 guys he did everything with. He was also a part of a smaller group of three guys and then a bigger group of even larger than that. And listen, his followers did what he did. Now, Ephesians 2.19 in the Living Bible paraphrase says, you are members of God's very own family. You belong in God's household with every other Christian. And friends, that means that the Christian life is not just a matter of believing, it's a matter of belonging. Now, after the founding of the church in Acts chapter 2, there's no concept of a New Testament believer who does not belong to a local church. Now, friends, we live in an amazing time. I mean, because of this pandemic, we have moved from gathering together as a church every week to gathering only online And man, we're so glad that so many people have connected with our church through our online ministry. We love you. We hope this is a blessing for you. But hear me, online is no substitute for you being a part of a local church where you are needed and known and you feel like you're part of the family. Now, I know what some of y'all are thinking, Cam, you just believe that because you're a pastor. No, friend, I'm a pastor because I believe that. Listen, I've had hundreds of opportunities to leave our church and go work for some Christian university or organization that all serve alongside the church. But look, you read the New Testament, the church, the local church is the sharp end of the spear, man. 
That's what Jesus loves the most. That's what he came to start. That's the primary place that causes spiritual growth. And friends, that's why I'm here. And if you have not dropped anchor yet and become a part of this body of Christ, friend, that is your next step. So I want to encourage you on the, on the online service right now, get on the chat and say, I need to become a member of this church. What do I do? And let me tell you, it's not hard. You can start growth track tomorrow night. Oh, well, Monday night. It's coming up on Monday night. Uh, on Monday night, you can start our digital growth track class. And let me tell you, you will be part of our family and team ready by the time we regather our church later on in September. Just make a decision. Man, I love Jesus. I love his church. I want to be a part of this fellowship because this is the church Jesus is using to make me stronger. And friends, I'm telling you, this is not a burden. This is a blessing. But membership is, not, is just the beginning for a growing believer Fellowship means friendship. It means choosing to share your life with other folks. And the second level of fellowship is a little bit deeper and it goes beyond just getting together as a big group. It involves making friends here. Now look at Acts chapter two, verse 44. It says, all the believers met together constantly and they shared everything with each other. And that means they were, de they were developing life-changing friendships as they met together and shared together. And I'm telling you, the more you meet and the more you share, the closer you will become. Now, I know that many of you have linked up with us online and dude, we love you. We're so glad you did. But I'm telling you, when you come here, even when we're physically distancing like this, you're going to notice how much we love each other and how much we enjoy being here. And the dominant sound you're going to hear before our service starts is laughter because we're going to be visiting and laughing together. Now, you might even look around and envy those friendships and think, man, those folks are lucky to know so many people. Can I just tell you something? Luck is not a factor. Great fellowship exists because people have invested in each other and they share together. Now, friends, that's why if your relationship with the Lord is ever going to go to the next level, you've got to get connected at the friendship level with other followers of Christ, people in our church. Now, in verse 46, it says, Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. Do they broke bread in their homes? They ate together with glad and sincere hearts. It says those early believers met together in the temple courts. They met in their homes. They loved to get together for big worship celebrations at the temple because it was so powerful and so moving. But they also loved to meet together in discipleship groups in their homes where they ate together and they prayed together and they studied together with glad and sincere hearts. And I'm telling you, both kinds of fellowship are super important. Now, let me tell you something about our church. Compassion Christian is a church of small groups. Man, we do everything in groups. We take care of our people primarily through discipleship groups. Man, we experience the full love and care of our church, you know, in groups. And if you want to experience that kind of care, you've got to be in one of our groups. And friend, you want to be in a group before you need a group. Now, this pandemic has been a really stressful time for our ministry, especially because we've had people die of COVID-19 and we've had people die of other things as well. Uh, you know, early on, nobody really knew how the virus worked. And so, you know, funerals became very awkward. Our funeral homes here in town, were, they only let 10 people come for a funeral, which worked against the kind of love and, and fellowship that people need when they're grieving. Well, as these limitations eased a little bit, we had a 96-year-old lady in our church named Priscilla Dusham uh, pass away. And Priscilla is just a godly old saint, man. Uh, you know, she went to heaven. She had served our church for 56 years. 
Um, and her family told me that she put in her will that I was supposed to do her funeral. So guess who did her funeral? I didn't want to go to jail for breaking her will, man. So yeah, I did the funeral, right? I was honored to do so. So I go to the funeral home, and you know how it is. They had taken out half the chairs. They had spaced all the chairs six feet apart. And, and you know who was at that funeral? I mean, in the middle of a pandemic with masks on. Her family was there, of course. But let me tell you, most of the people at that funeral were from her discipleship group. She has two granddaughters. You know, one lives in uh, Albuquerque and one lives down in Florida. And her granddaughters told me how thankful they were for the support that Priscilla received from her discipleship group. Now, they're the only family she pretty much has. But they didn't worry about taking care of her because so many people in her group in our church were checking on her all the time. And friends, I'm telling you, that's why as the New Testament church got larger, it also got smaller. And that's why we have hundreds of discipleship groups for adults, which are generally, you know, gatherings of eight to 10 people. They usually meet in homes. They're led and hosted by people just like you. Uh, in addition to that number, though, we've got a huge number of Zoom, of uh, rooted groups, you know, which are special discipleship groups. We've also got smaller discipleship groups, little clusters of men and women and students who meet in the morning and they meet in the evening. They meet here at church. They meet in restaurants. They meet all over the place. Friends, our goal is to have all of our children and all of our students in these small groups. This is how we do church. Because I'm telling you, that's how the New Testament church did it. They were devoted to fellowship. And if you're not in one of these little clusters of friends, you are missing the best part of our church. I'm telling you, even in a pandemic, Priscilla's friends were there for her and there for her family. And let me tell you, if you invest in fellowship, you'll have people who are there for you too. And if you're not in a group, Growth Track is your next step. You need to go to Growth Track and we'll help you get connected. We're forming new groups right now. Listen, if you will shoot us an email at groups at CompassionChristian.com. We'll get right back to you. And if you don't want to do that, you can go to the church app and then go to the homepage of the app where it says connecting, uh, online connecting point. Click on that. Go to Grow Alongside Community. And man, we'll take you to a menu of choices for that next connectional opportunity for fellowship at our church. And listen, if you're willing to lead a group, this will, and they, this will empower you to grow even faster. But man, if you're not in a group, I just want to encourage you to make a move. If you're online, and you're not in one of our Zoom groups, make a move right now. Get on the chat. We'll help you out. You know, the Bible says, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. Friends, I'm telling you, when my Sarah went through cancer, our small group encouraged us. They helped us. They blessed us. They enabled us to carry a heavy, heavy burden. And I will never forget that. But you know what? Those same folks were there when all of our boys got married. And one of our boys got married in Houston, and one of them got married in North Georgia, and one of them got married in Savannah. And at every wedding I looked out, and there were people from our discipleship group. They were there to grieve with us when she was going through cancer. They were there to celebrate with us when our boys were getting married. And that's how it is when you lock into this spiritual fellowship and friendship. you got people who will laugh with you and people who will cry with you. And if you don't have friends like that, I'm telling you, discipleship groups are where you make them here at Compassion. Now, living in this kind of community is so powerful that Dr. Robert Putman from Harvard University said the rough rule is if you belong to no groups and you decide to join one, it cuts your risk of dying by 50% in the next year. And so we're thinking about adopting that as our motto for, for discipleship groups. Join a group or die, you know? <laughs> now, now, friends, spiritual growth always starts with a decision that's followed by action. Be, become, do. Decide you're going to be in a group, just like Jesus. 
and then become part of the fellowship of our church and then do that for the rest of your life. And friends, I'm telling you, you may not find the perfect group the first time you try, and I want to encourage you if you don't, try another one. Try, just be like Goldilocks. You go to one group, ooh, that's too hard. Go to the next group, oh, that's too soft. Go to the next group, just right. And I'm telling you, if you have to go to nine groups before you find the group where you make the best friends of this era of your life, you'll be glad you didn't stop on number eight. Okay, for mature believers, fellowship means kinship. It means choosing to love like family. You know, I was invited to visit a discipleship group in my neighborhood one night, and they were all friends of mine, and they just asked me if I'd come to the group, and I was glad to do it. The leader was a guy that I love, I play golf with, love that guy. He had two daughters, and he was really struggling with one of them. In fact, he was so frustrated by her attitude. She's a teenager. Uh, you know, the, her attitude, the way she was acting out sometimes, he didn't know what to do. I mean, he tried everything, and he felt like a failure as a dad because he could not connect with his daughter. And I was at the group that night, and he asked the group to pray for him. And when he asked them to pray for him, he just burst into tears. I mean, this is a big old strapping guy, just burst into tears. And so I'm getting up to do the pastor thing, right? I'm going to go put a hand on his shoulder. I'm going to say, look, man, I'm a dad too. I'm a little bit farther down the road than you are. This is way too early in the game to call this a loss. Hang in there, man. You're going to be okay. And I'm just getting ready to get up. And I got cut off. Can you believe that? A bunch of non-ordained jokers in that group stepped right up in front of me. And they all huddled around that guy. And they put a hand on his shoulder. And they were whispering encouragement to him. And as I watched that kind of holy huddle, I thought, you know, I'm in the presence of greatness here. Those men from our church comforted him. They said all the things I would have said. They encouraged him. Dude, parenting is tough. It's not for cowards. Free will messes everything up. Hang in there, man. You're going to be good. We're going to pray that she's going to be good. And I'm telling you, watching that, it was a pretty remarkable expression of the love of Christ for a guy who was hurting. Now run the clock forward 15 years, and I'm in Orlando, Florida, doing that little girl's wedding. And you know what? All his worst fears never came true. Never came true. His daughter loves him. She found a man just like him that she loves, and he loves her. It's a beautiful wedding. And I'm telling you, that dad's heart was so filled with joy over that same girl who made him weep with fear 15 years earlier. He's a good man, but he was carrying a heavy burden. Thank God he was part of a discipleship group. He was in fellowship, so he didn't have to carry that burden alone. You know, in Galatians 2, Paul said, carry one another's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. And this is what I saw the men in our church in that discipleship group for their buddy. And I've seen him do it for others. I've seen him do it for me. Friends, that devotion to fellowship is what makes these moments happen. It takes time and effort to get to know people, not just by name, but by heart. And I'm telling you, if you will devote yourself to fellowship, that'll happen. And you'll be glad. Now, friends, in just a moment, I'm going to pray for you. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to make a decision to be with Christ or, you know, to be doing what Jesus would do. And friends, here's the way we're going to, we're going to do that today. If you're online, I want to encourage you to go, to go to the chat and just say, man, I need fellowship. I don't have it. I, feel, I love these services, but I feel alone out here. 
Now just go to the chat right now and somebody will respond. Hit that prayer button and somebody will begin to pray with you. And man, they'll talk with you about how you can find some fellowship. If you're here in one of our rooms today, your campus pastors are gonna be right here. And we're gonna, we're gonna give you an opportunity to come down front if you want somebody to pray for you. Or you can go to Connecting Point and somebody will pray with you there. And we will help you take that next step to be and become and do what Jesus would do so you can receive what Jesus wants to give. Father, thank you for this time you've given us to be together today. Lord, we love you. And we're so grateful for your love for us. And I just pray, God, as we bring this service to a close, Lord, that there will be people who will decide, what do I want to be? What do I want to become? And what am I willing to do to get there? And I pray, God, that there will be people who will just choose to be with Jesus and then become like Jesus and do what Jesus would do and experience that life that comes when they're in fellowship with him and, Lord, they're in fellowship with us. And we pray this in the strong name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen, amen, amen. amen. All right, if you're on the online and those of us who are with us, uh, you're in the room here today, let me give you a couple discussion questions that I want you to think about and maybe turn to somebody right next door and just ask those questions right now. Here's number one. When something goes wrong in my life, do I have one friend I would be comfortable talking with it about? Can I tell you most of the men in America would have to say no. If something went wrong, do I have one friend that I could be really open with and talk about? Here's another question. Is there somebody who knows me well enough to accurately name my greatest fear and my greatest temptation? Because all your great friends know what your greatest fear is and what your greatest temptation is. And if you don't have a friend like that, dude, you need some fellowship. You need fellowship. Here's the third question. If something great happens in my life, like a promotion, or my, I'm getting ready to have another grandbaby, do I have a friend I could call who would celebrate with me? Do I have a friend that would laugh with me when I'm laughing? I, I need friends who will cry with me when I'm crying and laugh with me when I'm crying. Now, if you have a friend like that, I want to encourage you to tell somebody who they are and just thank God for them. But friends, if you cannot answer every one of those questions, yes, it's because you're not connected in the way that God wants to bless you. And you could be. And so, man, I hope you'll take some steps this week. Father, thank you again for this opportunity we've had to be together. Thank you for these great hearts. I thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to worship together. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.